If I was to ask you the question, um, what weird stories really strike you in the Bible, what would you come up with? I'm standing down here because I hate standing all the way up so far away from you guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think of that one. I thought of the burning bush actually talking and not burning at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the hand writing on the wall just by itself. Weird stuff happens in the Bible. Weird stuff. And like Ben was saying, the, the one we're looking at tonight is where um, 2,000 pigs go running into the sea. Right. Weird story. Why? What's going on? Uh, so what we might do is we, we, let's read it to start off with. And then we'll get into it. See if I can get in a spot where I've got some light. Here we go. So this is from Mark chapter 5 and it says this. They went across the lake and to the region of Gerasenes and when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to, and to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and on one, no one could bind him anymore not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, Um, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? The name is Legion, he replied, For we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside and the demons begged Jesus, send us into the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and then the evil spirits came out um, out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed in his right mind and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. And then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him, and Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell um, in the... um, Decapolis, um, how much Jesus had done for him, and all that the people, all the people were amazed. Weird story. 
Um, so thinking about this dude that's hanging out in the in the um, in the tombs, tombs to start off with are um, just basically it's a graveyard. So it's just holes in walls um, in rock and cliffs and stuff like that where people used to just shove bodies, and that's where this dude was living. Um, in Matthew, it, um, this bit of scripture is in there, and it actually says there was another guy that hung out with him as well. So there's a couple of guys there, in actual fact. Um, even though in the other, in um, Mark and Luke, it doesn't mention this other guy at all. So the things that were going on for this guy, um, there's a whole list there. Um, the, the guy um, was absolutely nuts. Um, he was aggressive. He um, would scream out um, day and night, it says, so he was tormented. It said he actually cut himself, um, so he would actually abuse his own body. Um, in Matthew, it says that he um, was naked, so he just wandered around naked and didn't care, so had no um, respect for himself in, in any way whatsoever. In Luke, it actually says that he... Um, that town folk would go nowhere near them because they were so afraid of this guy and um, they would be attacked by him. This guy was super strong. People could not subdue him in any way. Even to the extent that with chains and shackles around his legs, he actually had the strength to break those. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know if you've actually tried to break a chain it's almost impossible, well, it is impossible to break a chain. I've had chains on my car and had trailers come off with a, over a couple of tonne in it and the chain height hangs on. That's a lot of power, a lot of strength. So there's a lot going on with this guy. The, this guy was not normal. In saying that, some of the things that we see in this guy, we do actually see in other places. And even today... Um, if you um, say, for example, um, somebody who was uh, extremely aggressive, out of the abnormal aggressive, you would say there was something wrong with that guy. Um, if you saw um, or heard stories, I heard a story a couple of months ago where a guy had abused a um, three-year-old child. There's something not normal about a person who does that. Um, so you would say... Um, that there are people around who are out of the ordinary even in the world that we live in today. Now, when you actually look at this bit of scripture, um, you start thinking about what has actually caused this problem for this guy. What, what's going on for this guy that he is actually this messed up? Okay? Now, um, the scripture reveals in there it's because of those demons going on. Um, he's got demons actually living inside him. Um, it actually goes to the point of saying that um, when Jesus actually is talking to him that the demons actually call themselves legion or the spokesperson of the demons who was speaking out through the man. So this man wasn't speaking for himself. The demon was actually speaking out of this man that he called themselves legion because there was many of them. Now, legion in these times um, was a Roman term and legion um, usually was a term for an army of Romans or Roman soldiers 
That was somewhere between 2,000 and 6,000 soldiers. That was a legion. Okay? So that's a lot. Um, and it seems to me, seeing that there was 2,000 pigs that actually ran at the sea, so it's likely that this guy had somewhere around 2,000 demons actually living in him. Okay? So that's extreme. Okay? Um, so, let's say I'm actually look at some of the story. Um, let's go to um, verse 9, I think it is. Now we'll go a bit back. So let's go back to verse 6. It says, When he saw Jesus, this is a man from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. Okay? So first of all, the thing that I want you to notice straight away, that this man who couldn't be subdued by anybody actually made a decision that he would come and fall at Jesus' knees on his knees in front of Jesus. So straight away, something has happened in the spiritual realm for this guy. Okay? When that happened, um, he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? And swear to God that you won't torture me. So it seems that this spokesman, this demon... Um, actually starts speaking out of the man. So the first couple of conclusions that you come to is that just the fact that Jesus was there, um, these demons started to be subdued um, by the authority of Jesus straight away, like instantly when Jesus came up on the shore. Extreme, don't you think? The other thing as well is the demon starts talking about being torturing and being tortured. Now, interestingly enough, when you look at Matthew, um, Matthew in verse um, 2, um, no, that's the wrong one. Here we go. Doesn't matter. But in Matthew's version, it actually says that, um, he actually says, oh, where are we? I'll find it because it's important. Maybe I didn't write it down. Okay, I'm going to look for it. Because I'm... Get in the light again so I can see. He says, have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Is what he says. Now the appointed time um, is the time right at the end when Jesus deals with the demonic powers over the whole world. So when Jesus actually comes back, at that point in time, Jesus is actually going to banish demons completely. And it says that it's going to throw them into abyss. In other parts of Scripture, it talks about the pit that they're going to be thrown into. In Revelations, it talks about the pit that will be there and they'll be bound there for a thousand years in that pit. And so... They, all, they knew who Jesus was straight away 
they started submitting to him. They actually feared him. And straight away, they bowed down to his authority and were even concerned about what was going to happen to them as a consequence of Jesus actually being here. It's like, why are you here now? This is not the appointed time. Okay? So they were actually in a point of fear because they thought they were going to be thrown into the abyss straight away. Now, it's important to actually take note of of that because when you start listening to the rest of the conversation that actually goes on here, um, the demons actually start to try to bargain with Jesus as far as other options. What, can we do other things? So, let me continue on with what's actually going on here. So, let me go back to Mark. So, this is where the bargaining actually starts coming in. What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me, for Jesus had said to them, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. And then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begs Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Again, because they were concerned about going into the abyss and being um, stuck there. And then we come into this part where there's a large herd of pigs um, next door uh, in the fields um, a little while ago away from him. And the demons start negotiating with Jesus and said, Let, send me into these. Um, let us go into the, into the pigs. Now, interestingly enough, Jesus actually says, okay, go into the pigs. And off they go into the pigs. Soon as the demons are into the pigs, the pigs run down the hill and throw themselves into the lake and they kill themselves, all the pigs. Now, again, this is really weird. And I, I battled with what was actually going on here. Is it the pigs um, uh, that um, just all of a sudden, because the demons were in there, actually ran into the water? Was it Jesus that commanded the pigs to go into the water and that sort of thing? And the conclusion I came to is that the demons, the influences that they had on the man, actually started being repeated in the pigs. So, um, the, the desire, so when you think about the man, he's cutting himself and that sort of thing and abuses his own body and that sort of thing. Demons go into the pigs and therefore they take command of the pigs and want to destroy themselves again and that's why they end up running into the water is what I think is actually going on. Um, when I listened to other people talking about the sermon, they, they did come up with some other conclusions and some of them were, um, and others, people just didn't go there. They didn't want to actually entertain what was actually going on there at all. Um, but that's my thought about the situation. In the context of, um, of all that, imagine if you were the guys that were looking after these pigs. So you have the responsibility of 2,000 pigs Okay, and in those days, I imagine that those two thousand pigs were of much, much value. Um, some of the commentators that I looked at thought that it was potentially um, uh, the township's business as such. Um, and interestingly enough, pigs, um, for the Jews, are an unclean animal. Okay, now. I'm, Nearly all the time in the, in, um, the Gospels, Jesus is preaching to Jews most of the time. 
He doesn't have a tendency to preach to Gentiles, even though the region that they're in is actually a Gentile region. So um, it's uncertain to is whether the fact that these actually belong to Jews, and if so, um, Jesus probably wouldn't have been happy about that in the first place because they're an unclean animal. Um, they potentially could have belonged to the Gentiles. Um, but either way, this herd was a really valuable resource to that community. And I would imagine, um, so much so, that they were probably pulling the pigs out and they were going to have a pig sale, for sure. Okay? Um, because they, they, that's their, their livelihood. Um, is actually just run into the lake and killed itself. Okay, So, just think about these guys that have just been looking after these pigs. Their pigs are dead. Okay, They're running back to the town. And in some ways, I think I would have been running the other way because I would be held responsible for the fact that the pigs are dead. But they run back to the town and actually start telling the township what's happened. The township come out um, to see and what's happening with this man. This man has been delivered. This man has been totally transformed in an instant. When they actually get there, which when you think about it, probably took a bit of time. These guys have got to run back to the town. They've got to collect the township up. It says in Luke that they actually went all around the countryside and people from the countryside came back. So Jesus has probably been sitting with this guy, sharing with this guy, um, and talking to him, probably discipling him a little bit even. But this guy is sitting at the feet of Jesus, um, listening to him. He's in totally in his right mind. He has been totally transformed from what he was in an instant. Okay? Now, we sort of get three responses in this whole story. Okay? First response we've talked about and that's the demons were in fear of who Jesus was. They submitted to Jesus straight away. Okay? The second response we get to what's happened is that the fact that the people who were looking after the pigs went to the township, the township come back, and we actually start to see how the township are feeling about the situation. And interestingly enough, in none of the um, scriptures that talk about this story does it mention anything about the pigs from this point? So they're discussing. Is that me? Oh, now I'm back. Okay. So the discussion is not about the pigs, but the township are in massive fear of Jesus. Okay. So when you actually read it, let me get my glasses. Um, the people turn up and. Um, so, if you look from verse 19, it says, Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and, and, and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to um, plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the... Oh, sorry. Peter into the region. And it's, um, I think it's Luke that actually says that the, the townspeople were actually in fear of who Jesus was. Okay? Actually scared of the fact that Jesus had this sort of authority. Amazing response that, isn't it? And then we have the response of the man. 
Because straight after that, um, Jesus is getting to the boat and the man says this. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him and Jesus did not let him. So he was transformed to the point that there was something going on inside where he desired to want to be with Jesus. He'd been delivered. He'd been transformed. He realised the authority that Jesus had and wanted to submit to that straight away. He wanted to give his whole life over to following Jesus straight away. And really, when you think about what Jesus Christ has done and for us on that cross, and look at scripture, that's what Jesus tells us to do. Tells us to hand ourselves over to him when we encounter who he is. Okay? Now, over the last uh, few weeks, um, we've been looking at the authority that Jesus has. Um, so, for example, in Mark chapter 1, it, that, Jesus there, um, when he was in the temple, delivers a guy from demons. We've, we've seen that um, last week when Hodgie was sp- um, speaking, he talked about the fact that Jesus had the authority to calm the storm. And when you're looking at the Gospels, one of the things that the Gospels are trying to communicate is who Jesus was. Um, when uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John are writing to us, or writing this book, they are actually trying to say, this is who Jesus is. Um, he has all power and authority. Now when you start thinking about this bit of scripture, and straight away Jesus has authority over 2,000 demons, instantly. 2,000 demons. Last week we noticed that he had the authority over the weather, able to calm a storm just like that. It makes sense he created the planet that he has that sort of authority. We see that he has authority over death. We see that he has authority to, to speak like nobody else is speaking. In, again, in Mark chapter 1, it says in the temple he talked with authority that nobody had ever heard before. And that was a place where they spoke about God all the time. But Jesus had something of authority that they didn't have before. People healed. We heard about the paralytic guy that was laid down into the roof and he was healed. The power to forgive in that same story. The, the, the people that are writing this book are trying to say to us that Jesus has authority that we do not understand. Even the authority to do really weird things. Powerful things. Okay? I want to read a couple of bits of scripture. So let me turn over the page, get rid of that. Oh, before I go into reading the bits of scripture. Ah, let's do Philippians chapter um, Philippians chapter two. Oh, excellent, there it is. So talking about authority, it says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth 
and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Christ, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Notice that in there it says, At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. So first of all, everybody, whether demon, whether in heaven, whether on the earth, will bow to Jesus at some point in time, whether you like it or not. Okay? amazing bit of scripture and a little bit humbling and a little bit scary at the same time if you're a person that doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour this bit of scripture should actually worry you a little bit because at some point in time you're actually going to stand in front of God in front of the Son of God and have to make an account for your life Interesting enough, um, even though this um, guy um, was possessed by 2,000 demons, the first thing that he did was actually fall at the feet of Jesus instantly. And you hear that all through scripture. Even when angels turned up, people just fell on their face. Um, the shepherds, um, when they were watching their sheep and the angels turned up in a massive choir, down on their face in fear. Okay. Um, authority. Okay. The other interesting thing about this guy is what Jesus tells this guy to do. So first of all, this guy wants to go with Jesus, but Jesus tells him to go and do something. And to a certain extent, this applies to every single one of us who actually um, get to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. Because he says this, if you go back into the scripture, it says, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how much he had mercy on you. And again, in Luke, it says that this guy went back to the whole town and told them what had happened. So he was obviously really excited that he was transformed. But he was told to go and proclaim how his life had been changed. Now, this morning we had baptisms and people testifying to what Jesus has done in our life. Our job, every single one of us, is to go and do that. Now, um, one of the things that's really important and which I want to go into now is the journey of faith. Because one of the major ways that you get to opportunity to share what Jesus has done in your life is to be experiencing Jesus in your life. Would you agree? Yeah. If you aren't experiencing Jesus in your life, it's very hard to communicate that with other people. The journey of faith is an important part of that. You need to start actually trusting Jesus actually trusting what Scripture says, actually stepping out and doing abnormal things that Scripture tells us to do, like getting baptised. It's not normal to just go and get baptised. It's not normal to be worshipping a God that you can't see in the physical. It's not normal to be praying for people to be healed. It's not normal 
um, to be tithing your money into the church. There's lots of things that aren't normal that scripture encourages us to do which are a faith thing. Now the interesting thing with all those things that I've just mentioned that scripture nearly every time that we're told to do something actually says that there's a blessing that actually comes with that. There's a promise that comes with that which means that we actually get to see God at work in our lives because we're stepping out of faith in the first place. So if you're at the beginning of your journey especially, I'd encourage you to take scripture seriously and actually be willing to step out faith so you can see God at work in your life, so you can be like this guy who can go to their friend or their family or their neighbour and say, you wouldn't believe what God done in my life this week or what he did um, six months ago when I did this because I stepped out in faith. God wants you to be proclaiming who he is and the best way to do that is for it to be real for you, to actually know what's going on. And I could give you a list a mile long of things that God's done in my life because I've been willing to step out in faith. Even weird things. One example um, of a weird thing that happened to me, just one example, and there's tons of them. I used to be really into um, music, 80s, um, 70s music, mostly 80s. And I had big record collection um, and a lot of that stuff wasn't real great stuff. And one day, a really long time ago, when I was a young Christian, God challenged me just to get rid of the whole lot. Okay, I had to get rid of it. Happened to you as well, did it? Yeah. I am now today. It probably doesn't make a difference to me. I could listen to that music and it means nothing to me. At the time, I'd listen to that music and get absorbed into that music. And God challenged me to get rid of it, so I got rid of it. Do you know what He did instead? He made me a worshiper. So a little act of obedience made a significant difference in my life as to who I am as a believer today. Okay? So it not necessarily even comes from Scripture. Sometimes God will put imprint on you, you need to do this in your life. And I would encourage you to just step out and say, well, you said it, I'm going to do it. Okay? So first of all, for this guy, he was told to go and share his faith. The second thing, as a believer, we need to understand the authority of Jesus Christ in our lives. When you look at the things that happened here and think about the things that we've been listening to over the next little while, uh, last little while, things we are going to listen to over the next little while as we go through Mark, Jesus has unbelievable authority. And we need to trust that he has that authority. Okay? So when you look at Ephesians chapter 6, which I haven't got up there, which I will quickly find... says this, I'll get into the light again so I can see. 
So it says Ephesians chapter 6 verse 8. It says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Okay? So our battle isn't against flesh and blood. It's against the evil one. Now when we look at this bit of scripture, we can see that Jesus has authority over the evil one. Like total authority. Like straight away the demons knew who he was and were bang at his feet authority. Now when you think about that and our relationship with Jesus Christ and the fact that we're being redeemed, the fact that Jesus promises that he's on our side, I'm going to read, well actually let's do that. Let me read um, John We've got that, John chapter 14. Here we go. Let's read this bit of scripture. This is, this is a fairly long bit of scripture, so um, bear with me. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't where, know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you really know me, you would know um, my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that, um, and that will be enough for us. It's interesting that Thomas is really doubting, okay? And he's, he's saying to, to Jesus, show us God in the first place, okay? Um, and then I'll actually believe. Now, when you think about it, Thomas has actually been with Jesus, has actually been seeing all these things that Jesus has been doing, and you'd think it would make sense that he actually believed who Jesus was in the first place, but he was still in a place of doubt. Um, that gives me encouragement for when I'm feeling doubtful, um, that even the dude that was hanging out with Jesus felt doubtful at times. Um, and let's go on and see what Jesus says to him. Jesus answers, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, rather it is the Father living in me, me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe me on the evidence of the works themselves. So he's saying, believe me. If you, if you don't believe me from the things that um, I've said to you, believe me on the evidence of the things I've actually done, like driving out demons, for example, and healing people, etc., etc. And this is where it gets interesting for us on a personal level as far as faith is concerned. Okay. So take note of what Jesus actually says to these guys here. It says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Step back. It's really hard from a faith point of view to believe to that extent. 
to believe that when you pray in Jesus' name, that you have authority. Really important to know where you stand as far as your faith is concerned. Really important to start walking the faith journey and actually learning to step out and doing weird things if God tells you to do it. Really important to trust what Scripture says to us as far as faith. If we're challenged to do something in Scripture, it's really important to start stepping out because we need to learn to have that sort of faith, to actually really believe what Scripture actually says to us. It's a journey. You can't wake up tomorrow and believe like that. It's a journey of faith. I'm on that journey. I, I, my faith now, compared to what I was when I was a young Christian, is totally different. But I'm not there. I, I, I have no hesitation in praying for people. But in the back of my mind, there's this a little bit of that at times going on. But you need to be on the journey in the first place as far as faith is concerned. And I encourage you to get on that journey. I encourage you to start stepping out. So you've got something to testify about, about what God's doing in your life. Yeah? Okay. Talking about the abnormal. Okay? Let's go to Proverbs chapter 3. Verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Again, this bit of scripture is actually saying not to necessarily try and reason in your own head how this should be. Okay, Because the danger is, and particularly when you start talking about the faith journey, in the world we see things in this little circle or box or whatever. This is the way things work. This is the way I see things and this is what I trust because that's what I see. When you look at this bit of scripture, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Don't trust on what you think this situation be or the way I should act in this situation. It's saying trust in the Lord in this situation or in the way I act in this situation or the way I do this thing. It's saying trust in the abnormal, basically. If you start going through the process of reasoning, I... Um, Oh, let's think of a different, a, a, a really interesting example. Scripture tells us, talking about what you were talking about, to love our enemies. Now, in the normal, that seems like a really stupid idea. Wouldn't you agree? It's, it's not normal to actually love somebody who's harming you in some way, whether it's emotionally or physically or any other sort of way. It's abnormal. Yet, Scripture tells us that's one of the things that we should actually do. 
Now when you go back to Ephesians chapter 6 there, where it says our battle is not against flesh and blood, against powers and principalities, it almost makes sense. Because, say Dave's my enemy, okay, my battle isn't actually with Dave at all when you look at that bit of scripture. My battle is actually with what's driving Dave to act in that way. It's the demons and the authorities that are telling him something that's a lie which he's acting on. Now he has some responsibility in it in that he's actually letting that happen, okay? But at the same time, he's not the author of where all that rubbish is coming from, whatever that may be. It's the devil that's the author of it. So my battle isn't actually against him in the first place. So when you start thinking about prayer and all that sort of thing, I'm not praying against him because of what he's doing for me, or doing to me. I'm praying against the devil who's the author of what he's doing to me. So my battle isn't against him at all in the first place. So the thought of going about loving him as my enemy is totally changed and transformed. Jesus loves him, even though he's my enemy. Jesus died on the cross for him. Jesus knows what he has created in the first place. He's even created by Jesus in the first place. He's not my enemy. So, understanding things in a different way is really important. Not trusting what we think, trusting what Scripture says, actually acting on it, trusting it in faith, acting a different way. Important. So, a couple of conclusions. First of all, understand who Jesus is as an authority. Be willing to step out in faith. Be willing to trust him with everything. Be willing to share your faith with other people. Testify to what God is actually doing in your life. Even if it's a little change. Be willing to testify Step out. I'm really excited at the moment. I've got this dude who's, um, I've, I've employed a chef who's a non-Christian and I'm looking forward to spending my time with him. The last time I got to work with a non-Christian, actually two people, they both gave their lives to the Lord. Yes, I get another chance. I'm excited. Um, and I, I'll do it just in subtle ways. Like even I've been with him Five days so far, and I've had two chances already, just these little things. Yeah, just the little things started feeding in. Um, I was having a, a discussion with one of the other staff members, and I was talking about your old life. And he goes, what do you mean by an old life? And I go, yeah. <laughs> um, great opportunities. What a, what a chance. But don't, you don't have to... I don't mean bash him over the head with a Bible. It's the last thing you want to do. 
but willing to just share Jesus doing stuff in your life. The fact that he's real to you. Okay? Important. Okay? That's what Jesus told this guy to do. And he actually tells us to do exactly the same thing. Okay? Um, I'm going to finish there. Let me pray. Okay? Lord, this is an amazing bit of scripture. Um, It just really reveals the authority that you have as our Lord and Saviour. Lord, I think about the fact that um, this bit of scripture talks about the fact that these demons were so scared that they thought they were going to be thrown into the abyss instantly. And these guys actually know what their future is. And I thank you that you have that sort of authority and control. And Lord, I pray that you teach us how to understand um, the position that you have as our God, as our Lord and Saviour, how much you love us. And Lord, I pray that you teach us how to trust you with everything in our lives. That Lord, that you'll build up our faith that, Lord, our lives will be transformed and, and transformed to a point, Lord, that we're eager and confident to proclaim who you are as our Lord and Saviour and walk the journey where we're telling people the things that you're doing in our lives. I pray, Lord, that you help us to do that. I pray that you help us to understand the things that we're supposed to be doing to grow. And I ask in Jesus' name that you set us on that journey. Hallelujah. Amen.